Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the last discourse of Job as we pick up in Job chapter 31, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn in our Bibles to the book of Job chapter 31? Job has pretty well talked down all of his friends. Bildad has had his last word. And Job is still responding and has been responding actually just generally now to his friends. He's, this last discourse of Job is his longest discourse. And uh, he, he goes on and on with it. And we've been studying the final response of Job to his friends. His next responses will be to God. But Job is talking about his own righteousness, his own goodness, that which he has done. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there from above and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked and strange punishment to the doers of iniquity? Doth he not see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity or if my foot has hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. If my step hath turned out of the way and my heart hath walked after my eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to my hands, then let me sow and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. If my heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another, and let others bow down upon her. For this is a heinous crime, yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. It's a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all mine increase. So these are things that Job's friends had been hinting that he was guilty of. But he is denying his guilt. I made a covenant before God. I'm not going to look on another woman. I'm not going to be interested in other women. It is interesting that Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman to desire after her, he has committed adultery already in his heart. Job made a covenant in my heart. I'm not going to look at other women. I'm going to be satisfied with my wife. Now, if I have been guilty of adultery, then the punishment of my wife committing adultery with someone else would be a punishment that I deserved. But I'm innocent of these things. Let God weigh me in balances. Let it be fair. Let what I receive be fair from God. I'm receiving more than I deserve. For I haven't been guilty of these things. Job, speaking of the lust, said it's a fire that consumes to destruction. It would destroy all my increase. The Bible speaks about a man who through foolish woman is brought down to a crust of bread. What destruction unbridled lust can bring. It can destroy great men and bring them down. And so Job speaks of it, of a fire that destroys the burning lust. 
if I did despise the cause of my manservant or maidservant when they contended with me? What shall I do when God rises up? For he visiteth, and what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him, and did not one fashion us in the womb? Now, Job is speaking here of the fact that he had not really lorded over his servants, that he looked upon them as equals. We were both, all of us, created in the womb. It's really a tragedy when men begin to think themselves superior to others. Rather than realizing that all of us have been created by God. And, and in God's eyes, there is no ranking. There is no superiorities. And that, of course, goes for male, female. It goes for bond or free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and yet it seems that man is always trying to exalt or elevate himself above others. Trying to put himself in the position of higher. I want others to bow to me. I want others to do obeisance and the whole thing, you know. And that's tragic that men develop these rankings in which they seek then to promote and give honor and, and flattery and all to each other. Job said that he was dealt honestly with his servants when they, when they argued with him. He looked upon them honestly because he said, after all, we, we were all came out of the womb. I'm no better than they are. I recognize that. And he also recognized that God takes up the cause of the poor. Now, it's interesting throughout the scripture, it does speak about God hearing the cry of the poor, when their cry cometh unto me. And God talks about taking vengeance upon those that would oppress the poor. That when, his, when their cries came to him because of their oppression, he would hear and he would bring vengeance upon those that would oppress the poor. If I've withheld the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, if I have eaten my morsel myself alone and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof, for from my youth he was brought up with me as a father, and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing or poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken from the bone. If I'm guilty of these things, of not helping the poor, if I've allowed people to go naked, if I've allowed people to go hungry while I was living in luxury, then let my arms fall off. Job is bringing curses upon himself if I'm guilty of these things. Then let these horrible things happen to me. It is interesting that in those cultures, in that particular culture and in the Eastern culture, hospitality is such an important part of the culture of those people and of those days. It was extremely important that you be hospitable, that you be benevolent, that you help those that are in need especially if a person was traveling. You notice how Abraham entertained the people that were traveling. Come on in. Let me fix something for you and all. As, as the angels, he didn't know they were angels at the time, but as they were traveling by, come on in. It's too late. Spend the night here. Let my wife fix you something to eat and all. Hospitality was an important thing. 
It should be an important thing in the church. Paul tells us that when we choose those who are to be overseers in the body of Christ, that we should pick out men who are hospitable, those who have shown themselves to be hospitable. Our Southern California culture seems to be very isolated. I have been in other parts of the United States where people seem to be more hospitable than they are here. Down in the South, people far more open, hospitable. Oh, come on over for dinner, you know. And, and it's, it, it, there's a lot of hospitality, Southern hospitality. We're in Southern California, but we just don't see it here. But I believe that it is pleasing to the Lord that we really show hospitality. If there is someone who is visiting, someone who is a stranger, that we open up our doors to them, that we invite them over for dinner or that we show them hospitality. The Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers. You don't know, but what you might one day be entertaining an angel unaware. Now, my father used to take these scriptures very literally. Also, he was an usher in the church as I was growing up, and he read in James how that we do wrong when we have respect of people's persons. If one comes into church and he's all dressed up, wearing diamonds and all, you say, oh, you know, come on in, sit in this, you know, nice chair. He said, yet if someone comes in in rags, you say, go sit in the corner, you know. So <laughs> when people would come to church in rags, hobos, he would usher them right down to the front row with all style. And my dad was a very gallant gentleman and a lot of flair and a lot of style, you know, and, you know, anybody <laughs> usher them down to the front row and sit them right in the prime places and then invite them home for lunch. We had the most interesting guest. <laughs> they had the smell of the antiseptic from the mission so many times. We've had all kinds of, oh, I could tell you stories that you'd hardly believe of, of some of the people that we've had uh, at our house. We had one fellow that dad invited home for dinner and he stayed for a couple of weeks with us. <laughs> and, and he was a very interesting fellow. We, if, if mom would say, wind up the vacuum cord, I would wind up the vacuum cord and, and when I was through he said, that took you 27 seconds. Now you should be able to do that in 15 seconds. Now wind it up again and do it this time in 15 seconds. Always timing everything. Everything had to be split second timing. And you did it until you could do it in 15 seconds. We later found out that this guy was a bank robber. And he was, he was the mastermind behind many of the bank robberies and some of the most exotic prison breaks in the United States. 
And that's why he was always interested in timing. Timed everything, got everything down to split second and all. And, and he always, it just was, was part of his thinking processes. When he started telling his stories, ooh, was that interesting. We'd sit there just transfixed as he'd tell us about some of the heist and all that he was involved in and escape from some of the major prisons in the United States. Actually, the way we met him was very fascinating. My father went up to the Ventura County Jail and, and spoke there at the jail every Sunday. And uh, he would just, you know, one day he was talking to these prisoners and he, and he said, fellows, he said, God answers prayer. Now, the, Jesus said, if you ask anything in his name, the Father would do it. Now, look, just get down and ask God for something you need. Put God to the test. Either his word is true or it isn't. Well, this guy, Jimmy Reynolds, was sitting in the back bunk. He, he didn't even come out to the area where the guys were meeting. He was just sitting back there listening. He was a tough, and he didn't want to you know, come out in this open cell with the rest of the guys and show that he was at all interested. But he was just sitting back there. And after my dad left, he turned to the guy across the, on the next bunk from him. And he said, did you hear what that guy said? He says, man, I've sprung a lot of jails. This would be a new one. <laughs> he says, hey, man, let's you and me get down on our knees and we're going to ask God to get us out of here by next Sunday. And if God gets us out of here by next Sunday, we'll go down to that man's church. <laughs> My father was also the Sunday school superintendent at the church, and so we always got to church a half hour early. And this Sunday morning, as we drove up to the church, there was this fellow pacing back and forth in front of the church. And when he spotted my dad, he came up and opened the door for my mother and all, and he said, good morning, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Smith, nice to see you today. And he said, I'm Jimmy. And dad says, well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> well, you come in and go to church with us and then come on home for dinner, you know. <laughs> and that's how we met him. Now, after he left, my dad went to the sheriff and he said, you know, we've had an interesting house guest for the last couple of weeks. He said, he's told us some very fascinating stories. He said, the thing I want to know, though, is how did he get out of jail? And the sheriff told my dad, he says, Mr. Smith, he said, that was a mistake. He said, we weren't supposed to release that man. He said, we had picked him up on a vagrancy charge in Oxnard. We were holding him here. But he said, on our cards, when we have a prisoner and there's a hold on them because of their being wanted in other places, he said, we always type up at the top of the card a red hold. He said, we had a new trustee typing cards. And so he thought that it didn't look neat to have that hold up in the right-hand corner, so he typed it down in the bottom of the card. And so he said, that Sunday morning, as they were going through the cards, they came across Jimmy Reynolds and found that we had held him as long as we legally could without filing charges, and we really didn't have any charges to file. But we were holding him because of his prison escapes 
from Oklahoma State Prison and several federal penitentiaries. And he said, we were supposed to be holding him to extradite him back there. But he said, in going through the cards that morning, they just came to his card, saw that his time was up uh, as far as what we could legally hold him. And the, they didn't pull the card all the way out. And so that Sunday morning, they called Jimmy Reynolds. He said, yep. They said, you're free. And he says, I'm what? <laughs> and they said, you're free. And he says, Mr. Smith, he said, I've broken a lot of jails in the country. But he said, this is the first time I've ever had one like this, you know. <laughs> Hospitality. Now, that wasn't an angel unaware in that particular case. <laughs> oh, some of the things that happened when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, my. I could tell you some interesting stories about George the Tramp, but that'll have to wait till another time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, but my dad was quite a guy. <clears throat> he said, I've not allowed my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to another man's soul. Verse 30, if the men of my tent said not, oh, that we had his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to the travelers. If I cover my transgression as Adam, interesting he refers to Adam, isn't it? Evidently, the stories of Adam were widely circulated even by the time of Job, even though the book of Job perhaps precedes in writing the book of Genesis, that is, that it was written before, yet he is aware of Adam's attempt to cover his sin by sowing the fig leaves, by hiding my bosom in my iniquity. Did I fear a great multitude, or did the contempt of families terrify me that I kept silence and went not out of the door? So surely I would take upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown unto me, he said. I would declare unto him the number of my steps as a prince. I would, not, I would go near unto him if my land cry against me or that the furrows likewise thereof complain. If I have eaten the fruit thereof without money or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat and the cockle instead of barley. The words are Job and I've had it. That's it, you know. I'm innocent and the final declaration of his innocence before his friends. So, sitting by was a young man whose name was Elihu. Elihu. So these three men, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu against Job, and his wrath was kindled because he justified himself rather than God. Now, Job, in all of his complaints, was saying, I am just in this. I am innocent. And he was justifying himself rather than God. Now, we oftentimes do this. It is important, though, that we justify God. I know that God is good. I know that God is righteous. I know that God is fair. I don't understand why God is doing this. 
You see, Job did not justify God in the issues by declaring, well, God is fair. He was actually saying God is unfair. He's unfair to me because I haven't done anything to deserve all of this. So Elohu, standing by, really became angry with Job because he sought to justify himself rather than to justify God. And he was also angry with Job's friends because they could not answer Job. They couldn't really pin anything on him, and yet they were condemning him without being able to pin anything directly on him. So he waited till Job had spoken because they were older than he was. And when he saw that they were not answering, his wrath was kindled. And he said, I am young, and you're very old. Wherefore, I was afraid, and I dared not to show you my own opinion. I said, days should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. And great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 31 through 32 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and keep his hand upon your life. And may he help you to walk in all righteousness and holiness. That the name of the Lord would not be blasphemed by my actions. But that people in seeing my good works will glorify our Father who is in heaven. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lately, social media and our newscasters are predicting that worldwide calamity is right around the corner. In fact, so-called experts are saying we don't have much time left on the planet. Can we really believe this? Maybe they're just trying to scare us. Everybody seems to be asking the question, what is the world coming to? 
But as Christians, we don't need to be anxious because the answer is found in the book of Revelation. The Word for Today encourages our radio listeners to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation entitled, What the World is Coming to. Known for his simple teaching of the scriptures, Pastor Chuck's commentary will help every reader understand what God's plan is for the human race. Not only will this book educate you about the future, it's an excellent resource to equip you to give an answer to those who don't recognize God's coming judgment. To order your copy of What the World's Coming to by Chuck Smith in print or in digital format, please call 1-800-272-9673. Or you can order this book online at thewordfortoday.org. 